All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me from across the state is Jim Matthey. He is he is from Lacrosse, but he is the housing administrator for Milwaukee County, an Aquinas grad, and then he went to Marquette, and you never left. You went to Marquette, and you never left. Is that how that works, Jim? That that's right. That's right. I went to Marquette and stayed here ever since, uh, working on these issues. All right, and I, uh, I I got floated the idea that I should call you and have you solve. All of our homeless issues, our homeless problems. I don't. I should name it. It should be called a homelessness problem. That should be the the, the way to phrase that. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't know about solving them, but uh, hopefully we can uh, talk about some things that we were successful in Milwaukee, and and some of which uh, certainly is pertinent to the lacrosse situation. All right, and I just I, I I'll, I'll try to give you like some rough, very rough, broad overview of what lacrosse. And I don't even know if I wrote this, and it's probably not even in chronological order, really. I'm just going to throw the the notes that I have that from from um, from what I remember, and I, I think the biggest one that we did last year, so a year ago in the spring, is we opened up Huska Park, and you're from Lacrosse, so you know these places. We yep. op- we opened up Huska Park for a campground, and I, you know, you and I had a conversation on the phone that that we'll get into to whether that was a good idea or not. But before we did that. Um, over the over the past, you know, since the pandemic, when when I think homelessness kind of exploded, or we started to really see a lot of people here that were unsheltered, um, the the city and the county has has tried to uh, combat this in different ways. And we just had a public meeting maybe a month or two ago on they're going to take a leadership role in this. But before that, the city and the county did try to build bridge housing they tried to buy not build they tried to buy the chamber of commerce building and i don't know if you heard this story jim i kind of wonder what you think they tried to buy the chamber of commerce building for i think they had them not about three million dollars has this ever happened to you in milwaukee county so you have to have all these public hearings and they wanted to make the chamber building that's right across from city hall bridge housing and then once somebody heard about that they went and swooped in and paid cash for the chamber of commerce building and in my head i'm like did you do that so that the city and the county couldn't put bridge housing there do you, do you ever have something like that where where a deal it's public and everyone knows about it and then somebody swoops in because they don't want the county to do a thing yeah i think i think the issue of uh nimbyism or not in my backyard is a huge issue in every community dealing with homelessness you know the the community often will complain about homelessness especially unsheltered homelessness and when developers or nonprofits or government in this case you know tries to take a bold step forward um, you know, it's always, well, that's great, but maybe a different neighborhood is better than what you're proposing. So we certainly have run into that over the years as well. Yeah. And not even just homelessness, like recovery centers. And yeah, we've had that, uh, multiple different ways in the cross. And even, even just like an apartment complex, we want to build an apartment complex here where there used to be a single family home. And the neighbors are like, uh, uh-uh, there's going to be too many parties and too many cars parked in the street. Yeah, it's it's very common. It, uh, we actually worked with the city of Milwaukee to change their zoning code years ago, as it relates to permanent supportive housing to make uh, deals easier to do, um, especially uh, when you're looking at homeless housing. So we did make some progress as far as uh, making zoning a little bit easier. And uh, so to continue my my rundown of some of the things that the city, the, so the Chamber of Commerce building plan to bridge out for bridge housing fell through. And then the city on its own tried to buy the Maple Grove Motel on the south side. Uh, and I think they actually had approved the plan and they were going to buy it. And then I don't know if it if it was because of an they did an inspection of the building and then they were like, oh, actually, um, that's not going to work. And and maybe maybe they got public outcry. 
and then quote unquote did an inspection. I don't actually know, but they just that that plan fell through as well. So there hasn't really been anything, you know, of substance where the where people can go. Oh, look, they're trying to do it. They held a public meeting. They said they're going to come up with a five year plan, and. Um, I, I think a lot of people hear that and go, really? Like it's been three years. Like why, why are we only just doing this now? So I, and, and you know, some of this stuff. So, you know, like, is, is this all pretty similar to what you feel in Milwaukee County with, uh, uh, you know, just like the public outcry over, you know, people living in the streets? Yeah, I think so. I think the the good news for lacrosse is um, I got a chance to listen to your previous uh, interview with uh, Brian Sampson, Isaac Hoffman. Um, the, the great news for lacrosse is you have city and county government both working together, um, and that's not always the case around the country. So uh, when we started our um, homelessness initiative, it was in 2014. And for us, Milwaukee County at the time um, and our county executive decided to take a leadership role on homelessness. We didn't necessarily have a homelessness crisis on our hands, which I think helped. We didn't, you know, we weren't doing this because there was a public outcry and, and homelessness, um, a lot of our nonprofit partners were doing really good work prior to us being involved. But we really thought we could make a, a pretty major dent if Milwaukee County came out uh, with a leadership role in 2014. Uh, and our first partner was the city of Milwaukee. Uh, we wrote a plan in chronic homelessness within three years um, and saw a, a dramatic reduction, uh, especially in, in sheltered homelessness that still continues to this day. Um, so I think it's really important that the city and the county come up and be leaders on this, uh, but in no way can local government do this on their own. There has to be a lot of innovative partnerships, and everybody has to agree on the solution. For us, it is absolutely housing first and permanent support of housing. We always say our tagline is housing ends homelessness. Uh, so sure. the number one things communities need to look at um, is permanent housing and also uh, voluntary wraparound services. We're speaking with Jim Matthew. He is the housing and the housing administrator for Milwaukee County. Okay, I got to go to break, but you just yes or no? Does does Lacrosse have a homeless crisis with about a maybe 150 or more people unsheltered? Um, I would say yes. All right, simple enough. I suppose that's exactly what I asked for. So good job, Jim. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom on the phone with me from the other side of the state, housing administrator for Milwaukee County, Jim Matthey. He is from Lacrosse, so this is kind of a passion for him, just to because he's got a family that lives here. He's an Aquinas grad, but the the homeless, what he called right before the break, if you weren't listening, a crisis here in Lacrosse, a homeless crisis. I have no idea if we have 150 people that are unsheltered right now, or if it's above or below that, Jim, because we only count the number of people in the streets twice a year. Is that something, is that normal? Do you guys do that twice a year? So it is actually pretty normal across the country. It's called a point-in-time count. So the federal government, HUD in this case, is going to mandate that each community that receives homeless dollars from the federal government does an annual point-in-time count. A lot of communities do it twice. We try to get in the habit of doing it monthly now uh, in Milwaukee, uh, but twice a year is pretty standard across the country. And is it really hard to do? Because I've... You know, if 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 you you talk about lacrosse putting everyone in a in a not putting them there, but opening up a campground so that people can go there, it would be a little easier to count homeless. But if you don't have something like that, is it is is it really hard to count how many people are without homes? I would say it can be. I think it's hard in a lot of different communities. It took us uh, a few years to really 
get down to where when we when we announce what our point in time numbers is, they're very very accurate. Um, I wouldn't say down to the person, but it's pretty close uh, to that uh, now in 2023. Um, so we've been able to do that through through you know, homelessness verifications, and, and now we have a very robust homeless outreach system in Milwaukee. Not just nonprofits, but actual county government for my staff. We do homeless outreach uh, first and second shift every single day. So we're out throughout Milwaukee County, not just in the city, but the suburbs as well. Um, so our data at this point is pretty accurate, but it took us several years to, to get to that and uh, to be in good shape. Would you say you have about a million people in La Crosse County or Milwaukee County? Yep, it's just under a million. Okay, so you're about 10 times bigger than La Crosse. Uh, I would yeah, say, that would right? probably be about right. Well, maybe a little less. And then how many, what's your count? What's your home unsheltered count? Yeah, so we've been successful when we started this Housing First initiative in 2014. Uh, we had uh, about a total of over 1,500 homeless individuals, uh, and that's shelter and unsheltered. Uh, so we've been able to, through 2022, uh, that was our lowest point in time number we've ever seen in Milwaukee in 2022. Uh, so we had 17, uh, 18 unsheltered individuals and a little over 800 um, unsheltered individuals. Um, so that was the lowest we've ever had um, in Milwaukee. In 2023, the, the numbers aren't official yet. We've certainly seen uh, an increase from that, just like everybody else across the country. Uh, but those were our numbers. So we had seen about a 92% reduction in unsheltered homelessness and a roughly 45% reduction in overall homelessness. Okay, so you're throwing all kinds of – okay, so you went from 1,500 to 800 in, a, in about a decade? Uh, 24, yep, yeah, 2014 uh, till this past year. That's correct. All right, and would you say 800 is good? Um, In terms of, I know it's not good, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so um, I guess the the one thing about uh, Milwaukee system, that 800 number, you know, 800 of those individuals were inside in shelter, and the remaining 17 or 18 were outside unsheltered. But a majority of the homeless individuals in Milwaukee County are in shelter. Okay, that makes okay, that makes a lot of sense. You have you have 818. Right, uh, uh, essentially. Yes, that's roughly correct. Kind of, kind of in a in a rough way. So, yeah, and then is. if you if you just say eight hundred and you're ten times bigger than Lacrosse, then Lacrosse would be at eighty, and I think we're double that. So, so that's pretty bad. But even eighty sounds like too many. But you're talking about like there's there's more than seventeen people outside. I think at Lacrosse right now. Yeah, and and again, uh, with, with our climate, of course, the you know the low numbers we're talking about is done in. Uh, January. So that's the reason we try to do kind of a monthly count. Um, in the summer, obviously, it's way higher than that. So we try to track our summer numbers as well as our fall numbers and winter numbers just to kind of uh, see where we're at. Um, but yeah, we were on a very, very good trajectory, um, even through COVID, actually. Our, our lowest numbers um, were even during COVID. Uh, but this last point in time count uh, where the numbers are going to be up on uh, the federal government site, we did certainly see an increase from that 18 unsheltered number to probably around 80 or so. Uh, but again, that's still um, that's still one of the lowest unsheltered counts in the nation for a community our size. We're speaking with Jim Matthew. He's the housing administrator for Milwaukee County. We're trying to kind of break down what Milwaukee is doing with its homeless population and maybe maybe see what lacrosse can do and and maybe has done and wh- what he thinks about that but um I, and i don't know if this is your expertise jim but in terms of of like dealing with homeless people like how does the the city or the county hand handle those uh, we have we have uh ongoing debate right now about homeless people in our parks 
Should they be there? How do you how do you get them out? Do you kick them out and do you give them tickets? Do you arrest them? Like that none of that seems to be productive. Correct. So yeah, and that's one of the unique things I think with Milwaukee County, there aren't a lot of government agencies that do their own homeless outreach. So we have uh, now in 2023 a very robust homeless outreach team where we're going out first shift, second shift, sometimes third shift, directly on the streets uh, dealing with unsheltered individuals. And the important thing when you're doing homeless outreach is it should be housing focused. So it shouldn't be just about, you know, checking in individuals or handing out tents or, or food or things like that. The focus of homeless outreach should be uh, getting an individual to end their cycle of homeless as fast as possible through permanent housing. So every single person we encounter on the streets, we're immediately starting some sort of housing plan for them and then helping them through that process. What does that look like? Is it like get a job so you could pay the rent? I mean, that, I mean that's the dumb way of thinking about like how to solve homelessness. Well, just get a job. Hear that yeah, all the time. It's a good question. So uh, obviously it's very, very nuanced, and each individual is very, very different. There might be individuals going through a mental health crisis. There might be individuals uh, with drug addictions. There are individuals. I went on a homeless outreach with my team and, and talked to a gentleman sleeping on the street that was only getting 25 hours of work, uh, of work uh, a week with our county parks department. Uh, and just needed more hours, so our team was trying to help them get more hours. So I think it depends on, on each individual. Um, and then also, you, you really have to build a robust housing system. La Crosse certainly is, a, is at a disadvantage with a lot of your listeners knowing this. Um, housing, especially multifamily housing, is fairly scarce in La Crosse. So you really have to be creative. Um, again, with a, with a five-year plan, you're certainly going to talk about the development of affordable housing. That's certainly a huge, a huge issue, but that is going to take some time to do. So one of the things that we talk about to other communities, uh, one of the other things we did is we have a landlord engagement coordinator whose job is to work with uh, future landlords but also existing landlords trying to grow the existing stock of multifamily apartments that our clients can gain access to for our housing programs. So a lot of it is marketing what we do, the benefits to um, working with our rental assistance programs, as well as when we were kicking off a lot of our homeless initiatives, it was really not just the city and the county, but it was kind of a a call to action for our whole entire community to, to take a part in this. So whether you're a business owner or a healthcare provider or a private hospital or a landlord, it was really about mobilizing everybody under this, this new housing first philosophy to, to really come together and do it all as one community under one plan. Well, how do, how do these groups help? I, I mean, a healthcare provider could provide healthcare for people for free or something. Um, you know, I, I don't know, or, but what is a business owner going to do to help homeless people? Yes, yeah, so those are actually our two best examples that I think we're the most proud of. So our business community is a gigantic partner of ours, and it is, again, a little unique to have a local government agency working directly with business owners. But our downtown business district, under the leadership of Beth Weirich, the downtown business district actually pays for one of my government staff to be their downtown homeless outreach coordinator, and the, the downtown business district pays 100% of her salary, as well as some housing costs and startup costs for individuals to move into apartments. Uh, so that's extraordinarily rare. 
but that has led to a very significant reduction in homelessness in our downtown area. She She's downtown uh, 40 hours a week, or if not more than that, just working with business owners. Um, and that made a, a significant difference in homelessness in downtown Milwaukee. For our healthcare partners, it's it's kind of the same agreement. We have multiple contracts with our hospital systems and our local HMOs who partner with our um, our housing services division, and we do um, homeless outreach on their behalf, working with their members of their HMOs. One of the things the private hospitals noticed is there were homeless individuals that kept cycling in and out of their emergency room uh, for all kinds of different needs. Mm -hmm. uh, the common denominator often is a lack of housing. So all of our healthcare systems partnered with us to provide housing resources for those individuals and our hospital systems and our HMOs saw a significant cost savings by just working with us and providing housing and wraparound services. Um, and, and we really stopped a huge inflow into emergency services that way. Well, you keep doing this. You, you say the business group helped by providing housing and the healthcare group helped by providing housing. Are they renting rooms out of their buildings? I don't understand. Oh, good question. So they, they actually would um, pay for our staff as well as give us, which really important is flexible rent assistance dollars. So they basically would give our staff a pot of money for their members to say if somebody shows up at the emergency room and they're a high utilizer of these services, we will come out, we will uh, enroll that individual into a housing program, and we will use those health care dollars to pay for security deposits or the first few months of rent while we look at uh, alternative housing options. So they're literally paying for rent as well as our staff to work directly with them, which is really rare. All right. And, and what is a this this is the part that's always impossible to talk about because you don't have you have a homeless problem or a homelessness problem, but everybody's problem is different. Right. So like yeah. every, everyone you like and you kind of mentioned the, the easy ones to go to is they have something mental health or something drug addiction or something alcohol addiction. And then beyond that, there, you know, it gets a little bit more sad. People don't have a whole lot of empathy for the people that have uh, drug or alcohol addictions. But um, I, I don't know. Do you see most, do most people fit into either mental or, or addicted categories or is it pretty more, is it more widespread than that? It's, it's much more widespread than that, but, but the common denominator to everybody's situation when they're, when you're dealing with unsheltered homelessness is everybody will agree to housing, especially if it's flexible housing and on their terms. Um, a lot of the individuals we work with will not go to homeless shelters. Um, even if they're on the street, they will refuse shelter placement. Almost everyone will agree to permanent housing on their own terms. So when we mention the term housing first, that's exactly what that means. Is individuals are offered permanent housing directly off the streets. Yeah. And then, you know, those voluntary case management services are offered in every circumstance. Um, but it's flexible type of services and case management for whatever that individual thinks they need to be successful in housing. Right. And I'll just, I'll just do the, like, what you're just giving them free housing. Well, I, I you know, I only live in a, in a studio apartment. I want sure. some free housing. So, I, I mean, you have to hear this argument all the time, right? We, we did, but I think that was the biggest um, success story with our business district. Cause we certainly had a lot of business owners who would, you know, come to the table saying, 
you know, we have these homeless individuals in front of our businesses. Mm-hmm. They they just need to go. Um, but you know, instead of instead of it being a debate about you know what's right or or what's wrong or the ethics of everything, you know, the businesses came to the table. We were just, we we were able to say we could significantly reduce homelessness, but please do it this way along with us. So working with the businesses to not call law enforcement, you know, call our homeless outreach workers first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really kind of decriminalized homelessness, and I think a lot of the businesses were super skeptical of that, especially because it was a government program. Uh, but they saw it worked, um, and it just it, it saves a significant amount of money. So even as a even as a taxpayer, providing permanent housing is way cheaper than providing shelter, and it's certainly way cheaper. Uh, than keeping people unsheltered as they, you know, meet their needs going to emergency rooms or, or different types of expensive public services. So the Housing First philosophy, when done correctly, um, it's, the, it's from a mission perspective the right thing to do, getting people their own permanent housing, but it's also a huge, uh, huge taxpayer savings. We're speaking with Jim Matthew. He's the Housing Administrator for Milwaukee County. All right, we're going to come back and continue this conversation uh, after the news. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. Continuing our conversation here with Jim Matthew, the housing administrator from Milwaukee County. So you were talking about right before the break there, the getting businesses on board to being part of this housing first initiative because businesses are like there's a bunch of people sleeping outside or or just hanging out, right? Just sitting in a in a sleeping bag outside of our business. And it's people tend to not want to come into the business because of that. Lacrosse is kind of going through that right now. A lot of people are staying in one of the popular parks downtown, Cameron Park. Well you're from here, you know. And the farmers market on Friday, they don't have one on Saturday anymore. I don't know if they're related. Nobody said they were related, but you could maybe make that guesstimate. But a lot of people just don't. I've had a situation where I was in the park and someone comes up to me and kind of harasses me a little bit. Our other guy in the newsroom just literally today, same thing happened. Other people across the road, Jim, they're yelling from the parking ramp. What are you doing here? Because we as news team will go and take pictures, very broad pictures. I'm not taking anyone's picture up close, but then people, Jim, this is it. They're, They're yelling at us from the parking ramp. So they're in the parking ramp now because they were cleaning Cameron Park this week because so everyone had to leave. So it's just kind of an interesting like, okay, well, they've migrated to a parking ramp. Yeah. And a lot of what we've tried to do in a lot of the cities that have been successful across the country, when you're working at, it's called decommissioning unsheltered homeless encampments. So it's really about, you know, if it's a public park or there's some sort of construction or something going on in a piece of land where unsheltered individuals are occupying, um, you know, there, there's the right way to decommission a camp. So um, we're never going to try to, you know, forcibly move individuals from an area. Um, but we've certainly worked with um, our local Department of Transportation and County Parks Department on parcels of land that they needed um, access to, they needed to make some changes. So we would provide housing options for all those individuals um, with then a future land use plan um, to make sure that that encampment doesn't happen at that location again. So we've had to do that several times over the past, I'd say, five years or so. Um, But it's important that those folks have an option um, and they're not just kind of moved from place to place. All right. This sounds like what we did in Hooska Park last year. But when we talked on the phone a couple days ago, you were like, no, we can't have we can't open up a park for a campground. But it sounds like you just said you you were doing that. Well, not authorized. <laughs> so 
So, no, we, we have never authorized an unsheltered park or a campground. That's not something we would do um, in Milwaukee, for sure. But, you know, every community across the country has kind of unsanctioned smaller homeless encampments, so that happens certainly from time to time. In Milwaukee, our largest one many years ago uh, was in downtown Milwaukee. There was about 90 individuals at its height in, in downtown Milwaukee, which is the largest one we've ever seen. Uh, so we, you know, work with the downtown businesses and, and you know, the sheriff's department and the, the Milwaukee Police Department um, and kind of close that encampment down and provided housing options for all those individuals, uh, mostly permanent housing, some transitional and some shelter. Um, and then that whole entire area was turned into more of a public park instead of just a, a freeway overpass. But, yeah, right. it's, it's not, we would never um, do a, a campground sort of situation for unsheltered individuals. Okay, why is that? Why, why was uh, changing Huska Park into a campground a bad idea, I guess? What's, what's the thought process there? Well, I guess before I'd start, I'd say every, every city is different, has unique challenges. But for us, we thought we could provide enough services and housing to make sure people didn't have to sleep outside in that sort of situation. Obviously, it was very unsanitary, um, violence issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just looked at it as the second we would, you know, as city or county government kind of sanction um, a tent city or a homeless encampment, it's almost, it's almost like saying there's just no, there's no other way to do this. Um, so we always want to try to provide, you know, housing and shelter options and service options um, before we would get to that point. But again, every every city is different. Yeah. Uh, and and again, Lacrosse certainly has its challenges with the lack of housing. Well, I'm going to throw two things at you because if I don't throw them both at you, I'll forget one or the other. A bringing people from outside the area to a place that helps homeless better than the other area. We hear that a lot. The other thing is. Does Lacrosse just not have the the second part of this plan when you when you kind of quote unquote close an encampment and give them housing options? I feel like that second part Lacrosse doesn't have. So, and I don't know if you talk to anyone from Lacrosse or know anything, but that to, in my head, it's like the shelters are full here, and there's no place else for them to go but to the next area where they can create a new encampment. Yeah, so uh, I think it's a it's a common misconception that you know individuals flock, especially in the Midwest. Um, uh, out West, it's a little bit different. But in the Midwest, I think it's uh, not exactly accurate that people relocate to cities with better services. When we had our significant reduction in homelessness, you know, one of the fears that people in the community had is everybody from Chicago is just going to come to Milwaukee to get these services and this free housing you guys are giving out. We really haven't seen that um, at all. Uh, so that hasn't uh, really been the case for us. Uh, but again, it is it is really important that this this housing plan um, kind of has something to offer individuals, and there is there is still is ways to do it, even with a really tight housing market. Um, again, the the landlord engagement situation that we have has been really helpful. Also, um, we have a extraordinarily philanthropic, a great philanthropic partner in United Way of Milwaukee. Um, that has just been immensely helpful. Uh, they have done what's called their Safe and Stable Homes Initiative, where they really change the way that they fundraise and donate, looking at it through a housing-first approach. Um, we're looking at potentially ending family homelessness this year, uh, and Milwaukee County be the first community to be able to do that. So using United Way philanthropic dollars, you can be really creative with different housing plans. Um, you're never going to end homelessness with just local government money or federal money. It really takes a lot more than that. 
So our local United Way has just been absolutely fantastic through their leadership. Yeah, the city here has what's called the Landlord Mitigation Program, and it's, uh, I'm just reading, to increase the number of rental opportunities for individuals or families who are currently experiencing homelessness. Payments of up to $5,000 are available to landlords in the program if their units are damaged or appear, or um, I think maybe they don't pay the rent or they don't, they get behind on rent. Sure. No, that that's fantastic. There, not every community has that. Um, I would even say that we don't even have a landlord mitigation program yet. We just talked about it at the county board this past cycle. Um, that's a fantastic uh, start to, to something like that to, to create housing options. Um, and, you know, one of the other unique um, things about Milwaukee County and where we do have an advantage is um, under my service area is all Milwaukee County's community development block grant funds and real estate funds um, and our Milwaukee County Housing Authority. Everything's kind of under one roof, which made it easier to kind of laser focus on homelessness. Uh, so we're able to change our housing authority significantly um, to put in a homeless preference for our Section 8 vouchers, ending background checks, all these different things that we could do in-house where a lot of other governments might have to go to five or six different agencies, we've been able to centralize that. So um, in a community like La Crosse, there is going to have to be more collaboration and a, and a spirit of partnership um, to kind of get all those resources on board and think a little creatively about, you know, how to create as much existing housing stock as possible while La Crosse waits, you know, to build more affordable housing. We're speaking with Jim Matthew. He's the housing administrator for Milwaukee County. And if you you didn't hear the first part of the interview, you started this like homeless ending homelessness initiative in 2014 when you had about 1,500 homeless. And uh, right now you you've cut that number in half, right? And then the number of homeless living in the streets of Milwaukee County, you say, is about 20, and there's about 800 of the of homeless people that are living in shelter right now. Yep, and the, and the, those are our winter numbers, and our summer uh, numbers fluctuate just like just like the cross. But um, as I mentioned earlier, um, even though our numbers are much higher in the summer, we do track that from year to year, um, kind of on a monthly basis now at this point to see where we're at. And, and again, every community seeing certainly seeing an uptick in homelessness. So we uh, there's no way we will keep our numbers as low as they were, especially during COVID. Um, a lot of communities had the benefit of uh, stimulus funds and American Rescue Plan Act funds, and that dramatically helped us with our really low numbers. A lot of those funds are, are going by the wayside now in 2023. And we've certainly seen um, seen an uptick of unsheltered homelessness in the streets, uh, even compared to last year. So I don't think we're going to be able to keep our numbers to where they are, but we're hoping to um, – we always kind of want to be – um, up near the you know the lowest unsheltered count we can in the country for a community our size, so we're we're hoping to be able to maintain maintain that even though we're seeing our numbers increase. Now you said yeah, it's kind of a myth that homeless people come to you know like last year Lacrosse is opening up Huska Park for a campground. That means every homeless person on the homeless network hears about that and comes to Lacrosse, and therefore Lacrosse's homeless population is just people from outside of the area, right? That's not actually happening. That hasn't happened in Milwaukee. I can't really speak to lacrosse, especially from a campground-type scenario. Sure. That's not something we have in Milwaukee. But, you know, a lot of it is, you know, if individuals, let's just say from Milwaukee, if there are individuals coming from Chicago to Milwaukee, 
you know, our, our homeless services system is going to figure that out. Um, because a lot of times what you're trying to do, it's, it's called coordinated entry. And the idea is the most vulnerable individuals who have been homeless the longest are going to get into housing first. That's how every community across the country does it. So for somebody coming from out of state um, that hasn't been homeless before, does not have that record, they're not going to receive you know, housing and shelter sure. before individuals that are from that community would. What does is, what is housing first look like? You get these people, you, you kind of, okay, first of all, do, the, do people that are homeless like the, the county coming up to them and, and, you know, hey, who are you, where are you from, how long you been homeless, I don't know, whatever the questionnaire is. Yeah, that's a great question. So some of the time, you know, especially because, you know, we're leading with the concept of are you interested in housing? And that, that obviously helps a lot more than just offering someone, you know, a sandwich or a blanket or different things like that. Yeah. But there are certain, you know, there's certainly times, especially with individuals that are going through pretty significant mental health challenges, that it might take one of our outreach workers six, seven, eight times. Um, to build a rapport that individuals are even willing to talk to our team, um, you know, to even accept small things. So some individuals will accept help right away, those with really significant disabilities or, or challenges. It might take us eight, nine, ten times, uh, but that's okay. We, uh, you know, we know where they are, and we'll keep showing up till they uh, accept services and housing. All right, so you get a person that's on the top of the list, let's say, and you, so where, okay, we want to get you off the streets. We're going to get you into housing. What is the housing? Sure. So really the goal of, of the best homeless services system is you want to have as many housing options as possible. You know, so that's going to be, you know, just a one better apartment is just a regular apartment building that any other citizen lacrosse would be in. There's going to be buildings with a little more intensive services for those that might need some more on-site assistance. Um, there's going to be short-term rental assistance, long-term rental assistance. You can't just build one housing model. There has to be as many different housing options for individuals to meet them where they're at. And, again, with housing first, it is simply, you know, providing permanent housing. You know, years ago, homeless systems would go, you know, do homeless outreach, and if an individual agreed to all these different things, then they might be offered shelter, and then they go from shelter to transitional housing and then to permanent housing. Housing first, in its best sense, is cutting all that out and, and moving an individual off the streets into their own housing. Um, but we always say it's, you know, housing first, it's not housing only. So individuals need additional case management supports on top of housing to, to keep them um, in housing successfully. We talk about bridge housing all the time here. Is that, and you kind of alluded to it, but does bridge housing, does it work? Um, it does. Um, we have not done much transitional housing or shelters since we uh, started doing housing first in, in 2014. We actually have not built any additional transitional housing or homeless shelter beds. Mm-hmm. Everything we've been doing is permanent housing. So we certainly do utilize shelter and tra- transitional, as you would think, bridge housing. We would call that transitional. And all those beds are always full. Um, but one of the things to caution is, you know, if an individual is in shelter or transitional, they're still homeless. Um, so really, you know, our community's goal is to try to have an annual reduction in overall homelessness. And the only way to do that is to focus on permanent housing. 
Now, you know, in a situation like Lacrosse, with a very, very low vacancy rate for for apartments and just the just the severe need for housing, it is harder to do that. Uh, but yeah, we try to, you know, we try to skip over the shelter and transitional as much as possible. Yeah, I was just going to say, I had a friend that I have a friend. He's looking to get an apartment, and he's like, yeah, the 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 lowest ones he could find are like eight hundred a month. And when you're talking about, okay, we're just going to give homeless people this housing. Okay, well, where's the eight hundred a month come from? And that that's going to just piss a lot of people off because it'll be like, okay, well, why does he get eight hundred a month to live a free housing? Does he have a job? Does he have to get a job? Does he have to pay the rent? You know. Yep, and and a lot of it goes back to the numbers of, you know, if you would track um, each individual who's unsheltered in lacrosse and and track their history and the amount of times they've ended up in emergency services or through different mental health crises or all those different types of things. It's just significantly cheaper for taxpayers uh, to give somebody the option of permanent housing um, than have individuals continue to cycle in and out of those large institutional systems. Okay, so where does that money come from? Sure. So so for us, it's a myriad of things. So it's certainly your traditional federally government HUD programs, you know, like your your housing authority vouchers, and it's called a continuum of care, which is where most communities get their federal funds from. So we have that, but we also have, you know, significant Milwaukee County funds. We have philanthropic funds, uh, business funds, health care funds. It takes everything. And, and the more funding sources you have, the more flexible your housing options can be. Because again, it's it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all. So if we can have 15 different kinds of housing programs, um, in order to do that successfully, you have to have something other than, than kind of strict-ruled strict uh, federal government funding, which is where you know, our philanthropic leaders and our business leaders, it, it just helps tremendously because we're able to do housing programs that we could never do otherwise. All right, we're running out of time, but I just... Okay, so after this, the, the uh, someone that's unsheltered, top of the list, they get housing, they're they're in their single bedroom apartment or whatever. And, and you have some, you must have somebody come like once a week or once a month and, and kind of check up on them. But also like, is there a, a, a time frame here where, okay, now you have to, I don't know, start paying rent? Yeah. So oftentimes what, what our goal is for individuals who've been on the street that have no income, either they have mental health uh, concerns or, you know, they, they're just out of a job. Our goal is to get them into our rent assistance program. And oftentimes we're paying a hundred percent of their rent. Uh, but what we find is after a year or two, individuals start working or they, they end up finally getting disability with our staff's help. And where we are paying, you know, a thousand dollars a month in rent two years down the road, it's down to 600 and then down to 500 and then down to 400. Uh, so that's really our goal is to try to, to move folks along that continuum to eventually get them uh, to support themselves with their, their own rent and their own employment. I guess th- this all comes back to trying to convince people that doing that is more cost effective than the cost that we can't see, right? The cost of like police spending, you know, 80% of their time, whatever, wrangling homeless people out around town. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would say that's you know that's how we got our uh, the Milwaukee Police Department on board very very quickly is you know they would go into the downtown business district and you know write tickets for individuals and pick them up on warrants. Uh, they would get you know our clients would get taken to jail. They'd be out 24 hours later and be right back in the business district again. So that none of that ever works um, for us. The only thing that worked is is using housing first and permanent housing, and and that's what 
kept individuals um, from from being downtown and and being in housing. All right, that's Jim Matthew. He's the housing administrator for Milwaukee County. Appreciate you coming on and spending all this time with us. Thanks. I I, I feel yeah, like I I'm, need another hour because I I'm not done asking you questions. No problem. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a break and wrap up. We'll be back. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Jim Matthew for talking to us about the homeless situation in Milwaukee County and how it might be solved here in Lacrosse County. We're going to talk about the Kmart development, I think, tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. See you later.